can you just have a stand up, stand up, stretch out. It's good, it's good. Stretch out, uh, breathe, grab a Bible, um, and when you're ready, sit down. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 to 5, 1 to 5 of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want us to go back distinctly Christian. Thank you for those who've mentioned the acknowledgement of whether you're whiny or just a bit sort of deflated in your faith. It's not a matter of temperament. Not calling you to be someone you're not. It's a matter of your heart glowing. I have this picture of a fire. Wonderful f- fire, burning wood or coal. Very hot. If you don't sit near it, you don't get warm, however hot it may be. And one of the joys of a weekend like this is we can sit near the fire of Christ. And everyone would say, yes, I... I feel warmer than when I arrived. And it's a fight, friends. It's a fight. Because when we go out there this afternoon, there won't be much warmth around. That's the reality. You check your BBC News app, as I do about 20 times a day, confession. (laughs) Um, There's no mention of Christ. Have you noticed? When was the last time you heard of Christ on the news? I, I seriously can't tell you. I think it was a vicar who had the lead stolen from his church down in Bristol. But that isn't Christ, that's the church. So we need the warmth. That's why church exists. That's been the joy of this weekend. That warmth of one another and of Christ as he's dwelt among us. So please, you know, our our faith is not like tennis. We don't play alone. It is a team sport. And the church is the team that we come together. We don't do it out of religious duty. We do it because we need it. And we need to serve as well, one another. So I want to think finally with you about overflowing hope. Overflowing hope. I remember um, it was one of my early pastoral visits at St. Michael's. Charles said, could I go and visit a man called Michael. Slightly nervous, put on my dog collar, found his little muse house, knocked on the door. 
slight delay, door opened. An old man came to the door, and I could immediately recognize he was very burdened. I walked in, said who I was, sat down, and we had a cup of tea. He had lost his wife of 40-odd years. He was in his 70s. And we chatted, you know, chit-chat, as you do. Talked about the weather. And she said, I miss her. I miss her. She was my life. And then he looked at me. You, you remember certain things, don't you? He looked at me. And he just said, what's been the point of my life? Golly. What's been the point of my life? Well, I'm sure I would have answered better now, but back then, all I could say to him, he wasn't a believer, was, well, you've had some good things, Michael. And we can thank God for those things. It, it was a weak answer, friends. It's the fiction of hope. We live in a culture that offers this sort of fictitious hope. And I find it clearest when you see people at the end of their lives, whether they are actually shining or hopeless. To contrast the picture at St. Matthew's, there's a wonderful lady called Betty. Betty is, I think, 95. You won't tell me. Well, I'm 60. I'm 60, you know, or 21, or whatever the joke is. But she's, nine, she's certainly in her 90s. And she sometimes comes up to me, and she's from Yorkshire, Vicar. She says, Vicar, why am I still here? <laughs> but she's not, you know, sad about still being here. She just doesn't really know. And I say, well, Betty, Betty, you're, you're an example to us. She radiates Christ. Her faith isn't wonderfully knowledgeable you understand but the tangibility of christ is and i say betty you're here to keep encouraging us okay she says she's a picture of real hope real hope she's also a, a miss marple type character so you know you get those scammers on the phone hello it's bt here oh i don't have broadband she always catches them out wonderful So I want to think about our hope as Christians. Real hope, not fictitious hope, but real hope. And we're coming to the end of our key verse. In this world, you will have trouble. You will, friends, every day you wake up, you will have trouble. Even on the best days, there will be trouble somewhere. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And it is that overcoming of Christ on which our hope is built. Two headings, our hope is a fact and our hope is a fight. Our hope is a fact. St. Paul in chapter 5 of that passage we heard from Romans. Wonderful letter. Probably the high point of St. Paul's writing. 
saying, look, sin puts us under judgment. God is angry at sin. That is not a malfunction of God to be angry. It would be a malfunction if he wasn't angry. But although we're all in the same boat, Jew and Gentile, whoever you are, God has made a way. God has made a way. And as he traces that way, he sets upon Abraham. Turn back a page. Abraham, this wonderful character of the Old Testament. And he says in chapter 4, verse 18 of Abraham, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Imagine being Abraham. You've received the promises of God. But it doesn't look too good. Your wife is well past childbearing age, but you've received the promises of God. And Abraham believed, despite the logic of his mind saying, well, how's this going to work? How's this going to happen? Such a good picture of hope. Because so often I find myself saying, how's it going to happen, Lord? I mean, out there, it doesn't look like you're going to come and reclaim the world but he is. He is faithful to his promises. Look at Abraham. And so we come to those verses we heard in chapter 5. Therefore, says Paul, because of the gospel, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Do you see those verses? We rejoice or we boast, same word, in the hope of the glory of God. We boast because we're justified. That is, between us and God, there is nothing that stands between us. Do you really believe that? I hope so. If you're holding back and thinking, I'm not sure God will have me, just get up and ask him. Ask someone to pray for you. If that is is your place today, you're thinking, is God going to have me? Yes. We have peace with God. Once we were facing this way, God was facing towards us, but we had our back to him. And now we've turned towards him. We're at peace. We have access to this by grace. All of Christ's unmerited favor. And so we rejoice, friends. We rejoice. We boast, not, not arrogantly, not, oh, yeah, look at me. Aren't I? No, no, we boast because of all that God has done. You know the genre of film, they lived happily ever after. Where did that come from? Ha. Huh. That is an echo of the reality of those in Christ. We shall live happily ever after. I read the week, and I came across a man who I'd never heard of before, called Brian McGee. I quote, he's an MP, a poet, and a philosopher. I quote, he did not write any seminal works of philosophy, but Brian McGee, who has died aged 89, did more than almost anyone to popularize philosophy in the 20th century. He spoke directly to leading thinkers, 
and encouraged them to convey what was interesting about their subject. And so the peace ended. In 2016, he published his last book, Ultimate Questions. Quote, living in a nursing home in Oxford, he was still wondering at life's mysteries. Excuse the language, but he wrote this. What the hell is it all about? What are we doing here? What's going on? I feel the weight of these huge questions. And I know I can't get the answers to them. And I find that oppressive. Friends, that is a tragedy. A leading thinker. Influencing many in the world of philosophy. Gets to the end of his life and he's no idea. But we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Friends, there are millions of people in our culture who have no idea. It's moving. Who are trying to live a decent life, trying to just get on with it. But when it comes to these ultimate questions, they're lost. What did Jesus say? I've come to seek and to save the lost. What did he commission his disciples to do? To go and make disciples. That is our job. It's not my job. I mean, it is. It's our job. We have the hope of the glory of Christ. You have it. You really do. And the world needs it. And so we must boast. We must boast of the hope of the glory of Christ. I don't know hardly any Italian to my shame, even though my sister lived in Italy for 25 years. And I said to myself when she married an Italian, I would learn Italian. About 10 years ago, me and my family went down to North Devon for an Italian weekend. But the only thing I remember is Il Gatto de Gordon Brown, which means Gordon Brown's cat ain't very useful, friends. <laughs> I'm just stomping around the room saying, Il Gatto di Gordon Brown. But the only Italian I've learned since then is courtesy of my church warden, who speaks good Italian. Ha vinto. He wins. Ha vinto. Make sure you put the T in, or it's ha vino, he has wine. <laughs> which is also true. Friends, we need to say ha vinto a lot. It's a wonderful Italian phrase properly said with an Italian accent. He wins, friends. He has won. We need to boast about that. We need to say to ourselves, which constantly wants to take the show, he has won. Get off the throne. That man on the cross, he won forever. We need to boast to a doubting world World, look at this man. He is the answer to your future and your present and your past. You may try to bury the news of Christ, but it is still news. We need to boast to the devil. Ah, Satan, you may huff and puff. You may distract. 
You may seek to tune me off, God, all the time. But he has won. You were defeated. So our hope is a fact. It's a fact. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Secondly, our hope is a fight. Look down again at chapter 5. Paul has just said we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Just said that. But what does he go on to say immediately after? He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. So maybe you're sitting here and thinking, well, what about my dreadful situation? If you knew my problems, you wouldn't be so hopeful. And certainly one of the top objections to the Christian faith is, well, why is there suffering? If, if there is a holy God who's one, why, why is there suffering? But we need to rethink suffering. Because what Paul says here is look, when suffering comes, when the trouble is there as it is, you can either look towards God or away from God. And if, by the grace of God, we look towards him, well, then Paul says suffering produces endurance. Ah, we press on. Endurance produces Christian character. And that character births hope in us. I have a good friend also in ministry who says, I've had the worst year of my life. He's been embroiled in a safeguarding issue that wasn't his fault. He's just been cleared, but it took a year. He's nearly crushed by it. But he says what every Christian will tell you I never felt so close to God. I've never felt so reliant on God. And so hope is a fight. For when the hardship comes, particularly because of our faith, you know, the cost, we count the cost, then what happens is, what happens is, we turn to God. And we find in him a place of hope. That's why, friends, hope is so difficult on holiday. I find hope really hard on holiday. Because I find God isn't as present as he is in the hard times. So I've been saying to myself recently, find treasure in God. Turn back to Matthew Chapter 6, again, familiar verses, familiar verses. Jesus, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, speaking about money, 
Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, those are so useful. Where your treasure is. Jesus isn't against storing, but he says don't store on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. That, that's foolish, but store in heaven. How do you do that? Just invest your lives in the kingdom. The gifts, I mean, what talents are in this room? Invest them in the kingdom. We all have different gifts. We've been given different things. Invest them in the kingdom. And as you seek to do that, your heart will follow. And your hope will grow. But it is a fight. It is a fight, friends. To believe that in the really tough times, God is actually working his purposes out. And that's why we need each other. We need help be pointed to God, not to give up. So without Christ, hope is a fiction. Remember Michael, the pastoral visit, had a good life, an actor in the West End. But at the end, what's the point? Remember Brian, the philosopher, thought his whole life about questions but never found Christ. Hope is a fact. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Nothing can take that away. Friends, that's why we sing of these things, to just reinforce them, to praise, to rejoice in the hope. But it's hard. We fight for them too. We fight through all the difficulties Faith produces perseverance. Sorry, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope, does not disappoint us. So let me ask you a few things as I close. Perhaps you need to get the facts of hope more deeply embedded in your spiritual mind and heart. You need to get to church. You need to pick up your Bible more. You need to just give priority to God. I find just putting in my diary certain things I want to do actually means they happen. And if you're thinking of moving house, don't just think what's a great place for my children to go to school if you have children or what's going to be the best garden or what are the things I need in my house. Think where am I going to go to church? It breaks my heart when keen Christians decide to move and they don't think about where they're going to go to church and you think ah so important we need to keep the facts of hope absolutely clear but perhaps you're saying no i I get the facts but oh my circumstances are so tough i feel like a boxer slumped in the corner of a ring having been knocked out Friends, use the prayer later, prayer ministry. 
ask for help. Remember the process of God as he works through all the suffering. Some say, well, actually at the moment things are quite easy. It's a cattle of middle-aged spiritual spread. Again, that easiness of life. I'm not against easiness of life, friends, but remember. Remember the Israelites, they turned from the Lord when it was easy. I mentioned my neighbor. I'm longing for him to come to Christ. He's not a Christian yet. But I'm battling against 300 million pounds. And his hope must be invested there. And he doesn't know it. And I'm not asking him to give it up. But I'm asking him to turn to Christ. And I say this absolutely sincerely. I would rather have my faith than his money. Treasure in heaven. There are some wonderful verses at the end of Romans. You don't need to turn to them, but they're Romans 15, verse 13. And they're about overflowing. And if this weekend has been about anything, it's been about turning from just getting by in our Christian faith to shining like a star in the sky. It's about moving from something that's a bit dull to Charlie and the chocolate factory with his ticket. You couldn't stop Charlie telling everybody, I've got a ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It's changed my life. I'm going to end in a moment with these wonderful words of St. Paul. And they're words asking God to fill us with hope. Not so that we have in just enough to the top, but so that it comes right up over the top and bubbles out. I'm going to suggest, friends, that we stand. And again, some might find it helpful to use their bodies to receive. Others won't like that, but it matters little. Remember that soft sponge or hard sponge at the beginning of our time together on Friday night. So now we're asking God to fill us with the water of his Holy Spirit. We'll have a moment of quiet as we pray quietly in our hearts, and then I shall pray this prayer of hope-filled blessing.
And so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.